Welcome to the Filipino American Woman Project's podcast show brought to you by our family on the newfilipina.com. We're your co-hosts, Jen Amos and Nani Dominguez-Smith. After three seasons of sharing stories for Panais and by Panais, we've gained the knowledge and language to articulate our experiences. And now we're ready to tell our own. As we venture off into the world of business partnership, we want to bring you along for the ride. Keep listening to hear how we explore our Panay identities together as podcasters, content creators, and entrepreneurs. Now, let's get into the show. Yay! (laughs) Hello, hello, welcome. Welcome, welcome. We're going to start here in a minute. We are recording for our podcast, so if you do not want to be on camera, then do exactly what you're already doing. (laughs) Great job. Yes. Um, Hey, Mark. Yes. I am going to just check one more thing before we officially begin. But fun icebreaker while we're all here, go ahead and put in the chat, what were you doing right before you joined this Zoom session? And keep it PG. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> hopefully working <laughs> yes and i'm just checking one thing and then we'll we'll get started here okay um let's see let's see and i'm just looking at the registration okay wonderful okay cool finish your lunch wonderful delish cool cool okay thank you for sharing some coffee yes okay Well, I'm going to say let's get into it because for anyone who hops in in the middle of the presentation or cannot make it today, we will be providing the replay of this next Friday. It'll be edited, so they'll miss out on all the live action that happens here. But nonetheless, if you cannot make it or you want to be able to re-listen to this later, it'll be available on our podcast show next Friday, which is available on our website, tifaproject.com. That's T-F-A-W and then the Filipino American Woman Project.com. All right. Glad you're cleaning on a Friday. I would not be doing chores on a Friday unless I have <laughs> dirty clothes from the gym, which is every day. So that's the only chore I do every day, which is weird because some people are thinking, Jen, you're wasting a lot of water doing laundry. While I'm in Virginia and it rains here like all the time. So there's that too. Okay. <laughs> all right. Nani, are nice you... justification. <laughs> yes, yeah. Just trying to justify why I am, um, you know, using a lot of water. I'm glad that cleaning is therapeutic for you, Mel. All right, y'all. Well, let's go ahead and jump into it. Uh, like I said, the replay will be provided for people who join us a little later. Hello, hello. My name is Jen Amos. Can you guys see our video, by the way? Just let us know if you can see us. I know we're just like totally sharing our screen off the bat. Okay, cool. I see a thumbs up. Thank you, Mark. Okay, cool. Yeah, I just want to make sure you can see our face while we share these slides. But yes, my name is Jen Amos. I am the founder and co-host here at the Tifa Project, which is short for the Filipino American Woman Project. That is me in the center there. And the rare time that I have my hair down, I could care less. I mean, I just, it's just so much work to put my hair down. But anyway, and with me today is Nani Dominguez-Smith, who is my co-host, business partner, and dear friend. So Nani, welcome to our presentation today, Rooted in Rising, Migrating to America. Hello, hello, everyone. And yes, with us in spirit is our resident historian, Dr. Stacy and Batarina Salinas, who could not join us live today, but did provide some resources for us to uh, reference in this presentation. So shout out to Stacy, and hopefully you guys will catch her again soon or listen to one of her episodes in the TIPA Project podcast archives. Yes, absolutely. And so before we move on, I do want to take a moment to thank Kuya Will and of course, Nani, for this collaboration with the Tifa Project and the Filipino Americans Business Resource Group at Kaiser Permanente. Uh, just such a pleasure to have put this together. And, you know, we really hope that what we share with you today, you know, helps you gain more insight into your own migration story with your family and, you know, have some golden nuggets as to how to operate today, knowing what you will know by the end of this presentation. So thank you, thank you for being here. And let's go ahead and go to the next slide, Nani. All right. So some housekeeping stuff, because it is the holiday season, we are going to be extra generous today. Our slides, these slides that you're looking at right now are available to you, including the resources mentioned in this presentation. We will have that available to you, plus bonus content 
for any questions or comments that we did not get to today, we do plan on doing a follow-up recording on this topic, especially if we, you know, don't get it done within the hour here. And so that will also be provided to you. And last but not least, we want to invite you all to be a part of our online community. This is the community to our podcast show, to our avid podcast listeners who want to be part of our everyday conversation and share their perspectives and their lives and their stories and what it means for them to be, uh, you know, do their own identity exploration with our community. We're giving this to you all today for free, for free 30-day trial. All you have to do is just take your phone and scan the QR code. This QR code will be available in the top right for the majority of the slides as well. But we just figured we'd get that out of the way right now. Please stay for the entire presentation regardless. <laughs> we appreciate you being here. But yes, we want to let you know that this is available to you right now when you scan the QR code. Oh, and also I'll make sure to add it in the chat here in case for whatever reason the QR code isn't working. And so that being said, let's go ahead and go to the next slide. Part of the QR code too will give you access to our community so that you can be updated as to when we're going to have upcoming workshops. So this presentation today is really part one of three, a rooted and rising series. Today we're talking about migrating to America, but the upcoming workshops will be talking about starting a new career journey and we'll be talking about navigating career challenges. And so if those topics are of any interest to you, once again, you can just scan that QR code on the top right, you know, get 30 day free trial to our community and most importantly, get notified when we're going to be doing this again. And next slide. Oh, okay. We lost Nani. Okay. So I'll just keep talking as she uh, comes back into the room here. So the other thing I wanted to add is that we encourage you to be engaged in the chat. We are going to be treating this as a podcast recording, meaning that on occasion, you might hear us say, hey, Dennis, like edit this, like Dennis is the name of our editor. And so we may be using that, we may be referencing that as we go through our presentation today. So we're primarily treating this like a podcast episode that happens to have a live audience. And so we just want to thank you all for being here and giving us that feedback. I think it's one thing to for Nani and I to just be talking to each other, but it's another thing to have an audience. So thank you. Thank you for being here on a Friday afternoon. And like I said, feel free to share in the chat anything you want to express, anything that speaks out to you today. In fact, just to see if the chat works, my next icebreaker question here is to share the most frequent emoji that pops up on your phone and share it in the chat. I'm going to look up mine right now, actually. I'm actually kind of curious to know what's like the last, like the most popular emoji that I shared. <laughs> so Jen, I'm back. Sorry, my yeah. Zoom just quit unexpectedly. So can you still see my screen? <laughs> Yes, yes, we okay. can see you. And it's all good because I was just telling everyone to share their most popular emoji in their phone. And mine's the hug one. I didn't know that. I must hug a lot of people virtually. <laughs> so that's just me. But yeah, I don't know, Nani, if uh, you know what your popular emoji is on your phone. Yes, mine is the like crying face with the constant tears. That's the number one most used one in my phone. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. All right. Well, maybe we'll unpack that later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to dig through the podcast archives to understand why. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, with that being said, that's all the housekeeping we want to share. We encourage you to engage with us. And and like I said, any questions, like anything that resonates with you, any moment here where you want to share a piece of your family history, feel free to put that in the chat. You know, Nani and I, really this presentation today is a curation of the stories that we have been so fortunate to feature on our podcast show, The Teeper Project. And so that with a mix of history. So we're going to get into that here in a little bit. But other than that, Nani, that's all the housekeeping I have. Let's go ahead and dive into our topic today, migrating to America. Okay. Wonderful. Also, I'm glad that you're back, by the way. I probably should have <laughs> Yeah, that, that has <laughs> never happened before. Well, I'm sure it's happened before, but that hasn't happened in a long time. So I don't know. Of of course, it would happen right at the start of this presentation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Technology always does that, right? Yeah. Like, when like you need it the most. So yeah. So right. we did that on purpose. They're sabotaging our content yeah. here. They're like, no. Anyway. So yeah, let's go ahead and talk about the word migration. I don't know about you all, but I actually didn't know that there was a difference between migration, immigration, and emigration. So we're going to go through that today. I'm going to be actually reading off the slides, but hopefully these slides will help you all in case you want to read. But if you happen to know the difference, let us know. Or if by the end of the slide, you learn something new, let us know as well. So the topics are the words migration, immigration, and emigration, with an E, are related concepts that refer to the movement of people from one place to another, but they have distinct meanings. With migration, 
It's a broad term that encompasses any movement of people from one place to another. It can involve movement within a country or across international borders. So, for example, the seasonal migration of birds, the movement of people from rural areas to urban areas, or the relocation of a family from one city to another. So that's migration. The word immigration specifically refers to the movement of people into a country or region with the intention of settling there. Um, it focuses on the destination or receiving location. For example, a person moving from the Philippines to the United States for work and intending to establish permanent residence in the U.S. I could definitely relate to this. My family moved here from the Philippines. My dad uh, joined the military and brought my mom. And we've been permanent residents here since, I guess, like the 1800s, the 80s, <laughs> 1800s. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we would be alive. <laughs> well, I take really good care of my skin. That's why I still look uh, like I'm 18. <laughs> There's that. Okay. And then the last part is emigration with an E, which is the opposite of immigration. It refers to the act of leaving one's own country or region to settle in another. Immigration emphasizes the points of origin or the place of departure. An example is a person leaving the Philippines to live and work in America is engaging in emigration from the Philippines. Overall, migration is a general term encompassing any movement of people, while immigration, with an I, emphasizes the new country one is moving to, and emigration, with an E, emphasizes the country one is leaving. So quick comment here from Mark. Seems like there could be an overlap between immigration and emigration. Yeah, definitely a, a good observation. Nadi, any comments before we move to our next slide? Yeah, I just want to say that all of these terms mean the same thing, but the difference between immigration and emigration with an I and an E refers to like the push and pull of why one is migrating. So immigration with an I, like Jen said, emphasizes the country that one is moving to. And emigration with an E emphasizes or refers to the country that one is leaving. Yeah. So, so for example, that my, clarifies it a little bit. Yeah. So I could say like from my perspective as a second generation Filipino-American with immigrant parents, I can say that my parents immigrated with an I from the Philippines, wherein my parents. No, no. Other way around. Parents oh my immigrated goodness. with an I to America, emigrating from emigrating with an E from the Philippines. Yes. OK, cool. So I can say that yes. they immigrated with an I. And then their perspective is we emigrated because they left the Philippines. Right. Did I get Correct. that right? It refers to the push and pull of migration. Man, I just we're all learning out. together. Yeah, this is amazing. <laughs> Speaking of which, I also I do want to mention that Nani and I don't claim to be, you know, like experts in this. Hence why we collaborated with Dr. Stacey Salinas to help us with this. And we hope that this presentation inspires you to do your own research outside. It's often how I feel about Disney movies. If ever people like disagree with how a story turned out, it's like, oh, well, if you look into the history of it, that's really the purpose is to like look in deeper. And we hope that the overview today sparks your interest to dive in deeper. And Mel says, Love thank that. you for the breakdown. Yes. Thank you, Nani, for the breakdown. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All I right. spent a lot of time trying to understand this. So I'm glad that I'm able to regurgitate it in a way that's like digestible. <laughs> yes. All right. Okay. Well, let's go ahead. And for anyone that really wants to know the facts and figures of how we got here, Nani is going to now get into the seven waves of Filipino migration. All right. So as Jen just said, there are seven waves of migration in Filipino-American history. The timeline we're about to show you was created by the late community historian Don Mabalan, author of Little Manila is in the Heart and the Godmother of the PEP program at SF State. A little bit about PEP stands for Pinoy or Pinay Educational Partnerships. PEP is a service learning program that forms a triangular partnership between universities, public schools, and the general public to cultivate community. The program aims to produce critical educators and curricula for all levels of education. You can check out episode 75 of our podcast to hear our interview with Ate Allison, who is the founder and creator of PEP. So before we get into this brief history lesson, we just want to acknowledge that for some, learning about these historical events can bring up difficult emotions. The timeline we'll share with you today is strictly fact-based. However, if you feel the need to break away from the content for a short time to practice self-care, we encourage you to do whatever you need to to prioritize your well-being. All right. So wave one was the seafarers, slaves, and shipbuilders. From 1598 to 1898, Spain colonized the Philippines using military and religion as their primary means. 
This is what it means if you ever hear the reference, the sword and the cross. The Philippines was a rich resource for timber, which was the ideal material for building the famous Spanish galleons, which were ships. This was during a time when trading with other parts of the world was a top priority for Spain, hence colonization. In the 1500s, Spain would also colonize the Caribbean, Mexico, Peru, and the rest of Central and Southern America. So pictured here are the Spanish galleon ships that I just mentioned. And it is said that thousands of Filipinos ages 16 to 60 were involved in the galleon trade. 6,000 to 8,000 Filipinos were employed in woodcutting and wood gathering for building these historical ships. Because of this exploitation of labor, Filipino families in agriculture suffered due to neglect. Long hours spent toiling in the tropical climate caused heat stroke, fatigue, and death for many while building these ships. All right, so moving into wave two were the American nationals and pensionados. For about 10 weeks in 1898, Spain and America would engage in a war over ownership of the Philippines before settling on a $20 million agreement where Spain would sell Guam, Puerto Rico, and the Philippines to America under what is now known as the Treaty of Paris. Thus, American colonization began. Tensions rose, and about a month and a half after the Spanish-American War concluded, the Philippine-American War broke out as Filipinos fought for their sovereignty. As America continued to occupy the Philippines, it declared Filipinos as American nationals. These elite nationals were known as the pensionados, and years later, under the Act of 1903, were allowed to study abroad in America with all expenses paid with the intention of returning to the Philippines afterward to occupy high positions in various institutions of power. Those who remained in America were later classified as low-skilled labor and worked as manual laborers. So wave three was called the Manong Generation, and this was during the Great Depression. Employers sought cheap labor overseas in response to economic scarcity. Filipinos were seen as ideal candidates for farm labor and were therefore hired to migrate to America to fulfill some of the least desirable jobs. Many Filipinos from the Ilocos and Visayan regions of the Philippines immigrated to Hawaii to work on sugar plantations. These individuals were referred to as the Sakatas. Others came to California to work in the fields. Farm workers in California traveled to different regions to follow opportunities for work according to the seasonal harvest. The Sakatas working in Hawaii on the sugar plantation camps were regarded as inferior to other immigrant laborers and faced countless encounters of discrimination and strident working and living conditions. From these experiences, immigrants in both regions began organizing to fight for better living and working conditions for their communities, which is now known as the Filipino Farm Workers Movement. Spearheaded by the famous historical figure Larry Itliong, who is pictured here in the third picture with Cesar Chavez. Wave four was called the second generation. The 1934 Tidings-McDuffie Act proclaimed the U.S. would grant the Philippines its independence in 10 years. It also changed the status of Filipino immigrants in America from American nationals to aliens. And following the Immigration Act of 1917, which enforced a quota system limiting the number of immigrants from all Asian countries as a whole, further limited Filipino immigration to just 50 people per year. Then, in 1941, just 10 hours after Japan bombed Pearl Harbor, after World War II erupted, Japanese forces invaded and occupied the Philippines, which was then a U.S. colony. The invasion would last for four grueling years. On July 26th, an executive order was signed to draw 200,000 soldiers from the Philippine Army into the U.S. Army to fight against the Japanese. In the early stages of Japanese occupation of the Philippines, the brutally infamous Bataan Death March ensued after allied Filipino and American forces surrendered to the Japanese due to overwhelming odds in the Battle of Bataan. Following the surrender, Japanese forces led approximately 75,000 Filipino and U.S. prisoners of war in a relentless 60-mile-long march where they were subject to harsh conditions such as food and water deprivation and physical abuse by their captors. Many died of exhaustion, dehydration, starvation, and brutal treatment by the Japanese forces, and more were killed outright or died in internment camps following the march. The Bataan Death March remains a somber symbol of the merciless treatment endured by prisoners of war during the Japanese occupation. Jen, I know your family has history with the Bataan Death March. Would you care to share? 
Yeah. So I hope that as we are going through the waves right now, maybe you don't know a lot about your family history. I know for me, you know, I'm 35 right now. I'm constantly piecing together what happened in my family lineage. It might be common or some of you might relate that maybe your family isn't as open about their family, about their history for whatever reason. Um, what I what I had come to find is that from my my mom's side of the family, my grandpa, he was a um, he was like a voluntary soldier. Like he wasn't like, um, you know, he wasn't he wasn't like a like a Filipino-American uh, veteran or soldier. But I do recall from my family story that he still contributed in protecting the motherland at that time, while his brother actually, unfortunately, had passed during the Bataan March. So again, I do want to mention that, you know, these are little pieces that every now and then my family likes to slip out and tell me. And I'm wondering if, you know, for you watching, if maybe you have felt the same way about your family or if not, if any of these uh, waves have resonated with you. Um, another wave that actually resonated with me going back actually was the third wave, the Monong generation in which I used to think that my dad, for example, was the first generation coming here. But it turned out that he was the second generation because it was my grandpa, his dad, that came to California in the early 1900s for, you know, for agricultural economic opportunities there. And so um, just very interesting to like, uh, you know, piece these together and more importantly, like zoom out and see the bigger picture of, you know, the Filipino diaspora and especially how, you know, Filipinos have come here to America. So that's my thought on that, Nani. Okay, thank you for that. And yeah, just a little context on the photos that you're looking at in this slide. The big one in the back is a map of the Bataan Death March that I just talked about. So you can get a visual idea of what that looked like. And the photo that's smaller on the right is at the very end of the 60 mile long trail that you see here. They have created a memorial that you can visit today if you ever go to that region of the Philippines. Oh, good to know. I was wondering what that photo was. Yes. Sorry, I didn't give context before, so I wanted to make sure that was clear. All right. So moving into wave five. The Navy family generation, which Jen just talked a little about from her personal perspective. In 1946, after World War II ends, Filipino immigrants were allowed to become naturalized citizens again, and the immigration quota was raised from 50 people per year to 100 under the Loose Seller Act. However, the Rescission Act of 1946 denied Filipino veterans who fought for the U.S. during World War II the same rights as American veterans. Comment, um, yeah, comment in the chat if you know what anti-miscegenation laws are and what they meant for Filipinos in America. Jen, do we have any action in the chat? Mel was sharing that their great grandfather also came during the Monong wave. So awesome. Great to hear that okay. some of these uh, waves resonate with you. And those are the comments so far. I okay. do recall like, oh, I'll get into other thoughts later, but that's all we have for now. Okay, yes. Let me continue with anti-miscegenation laws. I just wanted to see if anybody else knows what those are or is familiar with what they meant for Filipinos in America during this time. But I'm about to tell you. So up until just 75 years ago, it was illegal for Filipinos to marry white people. In 1948, however, anti-miscegenation laws were lifted, permitting Filipinos and other people of color to participate in interracial marriages with whites. Also passed during this time was the War Brides Act, which is one of the reasons my family was able to migrate here. Who you see, these are my grandparents pictured on the left. The War Brides Act was a U.S. federal law that addressed the immigration of foreign-born spouses, fiancés, and children of U.S. military personnel who served overseas during World War II. Pictured on the left here, again, is my grandparents at their wedding. My grandfather joined the U.S. Navy, and as a result, he was able to bring his wife, my grandma, and their kids, who were my dad and my uncles, here to settle in Vallejo, California, where they grew up. On the right here, we have an image of Jen's dad, actually. Jen, do you want to talk a little bit about your dad? Yeah. I mean, thanks to your grandpa's generation, Nani, for kicking off like opportunities to come to America via the military. My dad uh, was definitely one of those in the 80s and 90s. So I believe he had uh, um, actually prior to uh, this is a this is new information that I continuously learn about my dad's story. But prior to joining the U.S. military, he was actually part of the Philippines Army. 
um, I believe, in the 70s. And um, I believe at the time his family was really struggling financially. And so, you know, the military was really his opportunity to, you know, find more economic opportunities. And of course, uh, I think about a decade into his service, that's when he met my mom. And then I was born, me and my two other siblings. But I, I wanted to share, uh, give a little shameless plug here about my dad's book, because he unfortunately had passed while he was in service. And so we are what they call a gold star family in the military, which means that you lost a, a family member while they were in active duty. And so it's opportunities like this where we get to dig deeper into our family history and try to, you know, try to tie that all into a, a bigger story. And so so I share all this and, and Nani shares her family story in hopes that, you know, everyone that's watching or listening now or later can think about their own and piece together to their own family history. So yeah, that's what I have to say about, uh, about my dad here. Thank you for that. All right. So moving on to wave six are the overseas Filipino workers. As a result of the civil rights movement, the Immigration Act of 1965 was passed. This act functioned to reunite families and recruit skilled labor from overseas. Emigrants from the Philippines, emigrants with an E, were known as Overseas Filipino Workers, or OFWs. Despite the mass migration of Filipino men in previous waves, more Filipino women were now able to migrate on their own. From 1965 to 2000, Filipinos in America rose from 2,000 to 2 million. Mm. During this time, the Philippines was also experiencing extreme political unrest under the infamous Marcos regime, which also contributed to the exponential influx of Filipinos immigrating to America. The People Power Revolution in the Philippines leads to the overthrow of the Marcos regime, which prompted the migration of Filipinos who sought political asylum and economic opportunities in the United States, advancing the growth of the Filipino-American community. Okay, wave seven. We're on the last wave here. Filipinos in the diaspora. After almost 400 years of being colonized by other countries, Filipinos in the Philippines are left with little to no economic opportunities for career and academic advancement. On top of that, certain policies on immigration to America, as we just talked about, and other countries are dictated by labor demands that influence the career choices available to Filipinos. This is also a hint at the next live broadcast in our Rooted and Rising series here, where we will be discussing about career journeys for Filipino-Americans. So what does this mean? As the largest export of the Philippines, overseas workers send over $16 billion in remittances every year. Hence the significance of Balikbayan boxes. Jen, I know that you have fond memories of your family sending Balikbayan boxes to your family in the Philippines. Do you want to talk a little oh, yeah. bit about that? Definitely. That was just part of our family ritual, I feel like, every quarter of the year or whatever, where I just remember the huge boxes, the Balikbayan boxes. And we would stack, you know, we would stuff in there like our hand-me-down clothes and, you know, a ton of spam and food. Like just, uh, I just remember how that was just such a common practice for us to go to the Balik Bayon store and, you know, ship it out. And I remember one time at a family reunion, I saw one of my relatives and I was all like, is that my shirt? <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> so it's just, um, it was definitely part of uh, what our family did. My mom, from what I recall growing up, she definitely stayed in touch with her dad and her family. And, you know, when we would go to the big family reunions, it would typically be her side of the family, where fortunately for my dad's side, because because his brother joined the military, you know, we had most of his family members came to California and uh, are still here in are still in uh, Southern California until this day. So yeah. Beautiful. Yes. Yeah, so if your family, if you can relate or if your family either sent or received Balik Bayan boxes while you were growing up, what did they include? Comment in the chat if you have any memories of those. Yes, and with absolutely. that, I will turn it over to Jen. Yes. So thank you for sticking it out with us to, you know, go over the facts and figures of the seven waves of Filipino migration. I think for some people, it may be the first time you're hearing that. And then for others, it may be a good refresher and also recognize, you know, also help you better see where you land in the Filipino diaspora or any of those waves coming to America. Personally, I had always assumed that every Filipino family came here because of the military, because that's what I was surrounded by. But little did I realize, like what Nani had shared here is that 
there were so many ways to, you know, come to America. And I was always amazed. And especially with the 150 plus episodes we've done on the Tifa Project, our podcast show, you know, I'm constantly and always amazed to, you know, learn more about people's stories. And so that being said, we are going to turn these facts into stories and feature some of the people we have been so fortunate to interview on our show on the Filipino American Woman Project. And so Nani, take it away with our first our first person. Yes. So the first episode that we are going to highlight is one of our most popular episodes from our earlier days in season one. Jana Lynn Umipig, who likes to be called JL. JL is a cultural bearer and educator whose father is from Iloko Sur. She comes from a family of farmers whose lineage can be traced back to foresters in the Philippines. Her parents first migrated to Hawaii, then to Stockton, California, before settling in the Bronx, New York. So her family hit multiple of those waves of migration that we just reviewed. And in this episode, which is episode 16, JL explains how each of these layers of family history are core components of how she identifies today as a Filipino-American woman. Wonderful. Oh, and by the way, when we talk about episode numbers, the way to find these guests is to visit our website, tifaproject.com. That's T-F-A-W as in the Filipino-American woman, project.com. And then in the top, there's a search bar. And all you have to do is just type in the episode number and her episode will appear. So if any of these stories resonate with you, you know, go ahead and look them up. I think you could also look them up by first and last name. Yes. And yes. And so uh, Mel, we'll get to your question in, in the end here based on time. So, okay. So go ahead to the next story. Next story. Um, Before we move on, did you want to add a note about JL and Ray's Pinay? Yes. Okay. So one of the things that I also hope that we all can walk away with is in addition to understanding the history of our migration story, we also can highlight what we're doing here today. How are we making an impact in American culture? And one of the things that JL has done along with two other women is they founded a organization called Raised Panay, which is based in New York City. Think of it as the vagina monologues for Filipinas. It's incredible. You know, these women come together, go through a what I call a spiritual experience, unpacking their stories and sharing it to an audience. And so if ever you want to see the incredible work people like JL are doing, um, her and two other women that we're not featuring here at the moment, go ahead and check out raisedpanay.com. And I'll be sure to put that in, in the chat as well in case you want to see. So really cool to to see not only not only, you know, hear where people come from, but where they're headed, you know, and especially what they're doing today. Yes. So thank you for that reminder. <laughs> yes. No um, problem. Yeah. And so. All right. So talking about Nicole Mashali. So Nicole is a third generation, which is actually I just wanted to highlight that because where I live right now in Virginia Beach specifically, there's a lot of first and second generation, meaning that parents who immigrated here and then their kids who were raised here, kind of like me, where in this case, Nicole is third generation. So my interpretation on that, Nani, is that, you know, her grandparents immigrated here first and then her parents. Correct. Her. So it's always like very fascinating to know, like to know of, you know, people who've lived here, who've been here longer. Right. So anyway, Nicole is a third generation Filipino American author, motivational speaker, actress, producer, and manifestation mentor with a rich family history in San Francisco, California. Her grandparents immigrated to America in the 1920s as part of the Monong generation, which I know I know that Mel and myself can relate to. Her grandparents met in the famed I Hotel in San Francisco. In the episode 70, so zero, uh, seven zero, Nicole shares stories of how her grandmother used her English literacy to help the Monongs with their immigration paperwork so they could avoid obstacles, such as having to go back to school to get the same jobs they had in the Philippines in America. Her grandmother was also close friends with the historical Filipino-American figure and leader of the farm workers movement, Larry Itliong, which is someone we mentioned early on in this presentation. Lastly, Nicole's uncle was deeply involved in the Filipino culture of San Francisco, in addition to starting the first ethnic studies program and the third collegiate club Filipinos in the entire country called PACE, that's P-A-C-E. He also spent three years as a political prisoner because of his involvement in the Third World Liberation Front. So, so many incredible things and Nicole is doing incredible stuff herself and we highly encourage you to check out her episode if you want to learn more about what she's up to. So, Nye? Yeah. Yes. Another one of our favorite affectionate interviews is with Catherine Febria, who goes by Cat. 
Kat is a first-generation Pinay Canadian and freshwater ecologist on Turtle Island, and that's in Canada for anyone who doesn't know where Turtle Island is, who was born in the Philippines and grew up in Toronto. Her family emigrated from the Philippines in the 70s under the Marcos era when many Filipinos were fleeing to other countries. In this episode, which is episode 107, Kat talks about the diasporic migration story she's learned from meeting other Filipinas specifically in all the places she's traveled to and lived in. So she was like a world traveler who um, liked to travel for fun and then lived in different places uh, for for work uh, before returning to Canada and settling on Turtle Island where she runs a uh, freshwater ecology business of her own. So she's just a force to be reckoned with in her interview is one of my favorites. So definitely check that out if you have time. Wonderful. And the last person we want to feature for now is I actually do want to dedicate this presentation to my friend Jamie, who had recently passed from cancer. And so her story is very fascinating. I uh, met her in San Diego a number of years ago, and she was actually a celebrity in the Philippines. She was known as Jamie Joaquin. That was her celebrity name. And she was a game show host. She was a model. She was on Playboy magazine in the Philippines. And she got to a level of fame that had overwhelmed her. And she just decided to give it all up and travel the world. So she went all over the world, including Spain. And eventually she made her way to uh, San Diego, California, which is where I was fortunate to meet her. And she had every aspiration of becoming like a first world country celebrity. So she is an author of a couple of books. And she, I think right now there's a documentary based on cancer awareness in the Philippines called Beautiful Scars. But unfortunately, she wasn't able to finish it. And so I just wanted to, you know, uh, dedicate this lot, you know, this presentation to her and uh, more importantly, be inspired by all these stories and how not only did we come here, but how we're influencing culture, how we want to influence American culture. And she was definitely one of those people who, you know, wanted to, you know, she had every aspiration to do that. So she actually, even though she's listed here for two episodes, she actually was part of um, when I used to do Facebook Live. So if anyone ever wants to go down that rabbit hole and see our Facebook Live interviews, that's available as well. But for now, you can check her out at episode seven and episode 142. All right. Well, that is all the stories we have to share for now. As a reminder, there are so many more stories to share on our show, thetipaproject.com, which is available to you all for free. You know, everyone, if, so long as you have a smartphone, you have access to a podcast app and you can find us on there, thefilipinoamericanwoman.com. Um, but as we do come to a close here, we really hope that you have even taken this opportunity to find yourself in these stories and in these facts and in the history. And so I want to go ahead and wrap up with some reflection prompts here. So Nani, if you want to go to the next slide. Okay. So first and foremost, you know, asking yourself, how much of your family history do you know? Maybe this is something you can ask to your family as well. I don't know about you, but my family wasn't really big on talking about our history. And so I was so fortunate to, you know, venture out and learn about history in the community. And of course, collaborating with Nani here and in spirit, Dr. Stacy Stacey Salinas, who's not with us at the moment, but she very much helped us uh, formulate these slides. So that's one thing to consider. How much of your family history do you know? I remember hearing a phrase that goes something like, no history, no self, as in like K-N-O-W, you know, no history, no self. Or no, N-O, no history, no self. And I think that, you know, for maybe some of us, that's where it begins in understanding ourselves and, and where we come from. Second thing to reflect on is which wave of migration can you trace your family history back to? I know that uh, some of you have already mentioned it in the chat. So thank you for participating in that. For me, what resonates is the Monong generation and uh, the Navy generation with my grandpa coming to California in the early 1900s and my dad joining the Navy. And then the other the other question here is, how have these historical events impacted your family's migration story today? We hope that you were able to get a big picture view of, you know, where your family was in all of this. Next slide. Okay. And so for this one, other questions are, what are some ways you are preserving your cultural identity? I know that this is something that Clea Will, uh, whom we collaborated with for the show or for this presentation, I always say show because we podcast, so I'm like on the show. But yeah, I know one of the important things is to not just like, come here to America, but more so like preserving our culture. And so I hope that you reflect, you reflect on what that looks like for you. 
you know, are you, for example, involved in any surrounding Filipino American community? I know in this case, a number of you have are here because of the Kaiser group. So thank you, Nani and Kuya Will, for sharing this with your people, <laughs> I guess is what I would say. Or if you're involved in anything else. And, and we'll talk about how you can get involved with our community as well. And as I mentioned early on, you are offered a 30-day free trial to our community if you wanted to, you know, go a step further and have our community in your back pocket. But I do also want to share just kind of off the cuff here, like what are some other ways to reflect on and more importantly, take action in, you know, how do you continue to preserve culture? And I think part of that is being part of your local Filipino community, you know, whether it's checking out local events. I know for myself in November, we had a Mabuhay Fest in Virginia Beach. It was the first Mabuhay Fest that was held in that neighborhood. And so I got to tell you, it was very inspiring, you know, to go there and be around not only like other Filipinos, but like event coordinators, vendors, you know, just people who have families out here is very inspiring. So that's one way to do it. You can also, you know, start small and connect with your family, you know, talk about your family history, like one step at a time, you know, or one person at a time. I think what I'm trying to impress upon you all here is to do what you're already doing right now, which is to be proactive and show up to, you know, presentations like this and little by little learn about your history. I think that sometimes what I have often found is when people are learning for the first time, they want to go in a thousand percent. They want to go in all the way and digest everything. And one thing I want to say to you, if you're that person, is that it's a mantra I often tell myself which is I'm never not going to be Filipino or Filipina. So what's the rush? I have the rest of my life to figure this out. So I think just allowing yourself to have constant exposure to information like this, I think can, you know, build build your knowledge and most importantly, and hopefully your conviction and confidence as, you know, a Filipino American. Um, and the last thing I'll mention here before we go to the next slide is, you know, some things that our, our members have done is actually influence culture. Like we talked about JL and the organization Raise Panay. We talked about Nicole Mashali and her family history in California. And uh, I'll talk about this a little bit more later, but even authoring, like becoming an author. We have a guest that was on our show, Dr. Abby, who published the book, Speak Up Anak. And it's all about how to speak, how to have assertive communication, especially as you want to progress in your career, which is actually a hint as to what we'll get into in our next workshop. So that's all I have to say about this slide, Nani. If nothing else, then let's hop on to the next one. Awesome. Okay, so next steps. And I'm actually pretty proud of us, Nani. We have like 12 minutes left. So I feel like we're actually going to get to Mel's question here at the end. Yay. <laughs> but yeah, so next steps here is we hope that you enjoyed a quick overview of everything we have shared and you want to dive in deeper with us. Uh, it could be as simple as subscribing to our podcast. You can uh, scan this QR code. It'll take you directly to our website, tifaproject.com. Again, TIFA is T-F-A-W as in the Filipino American Woman project.com. And you'll be able to get an overview of all the interviews, all the recent ones we did. We did a special one with Dr. Stacey Salinas during Filipino American History Month. So even though she's not here, you can get a sneak peek into the things that she talks about. But we would highly encourage you to check that out, especially if you have a smartphone and you're trying to you're dry. If you're going to be commuting anyway, you might as well listen to you know our podcast, right? <laughs> okay, next one is if you are more of a visual learner, we do have a YouTube channel. We will be releasing this presentation a week from now on our YouTube channel. So if you need to rewatch it again, it'll be available for you. In addition to that, we also have our guests that we were able to record via video. Not everyone wanted to record via video. We wanted to protect their privacy and wanted them to feel comfortable. So not every video we have on there is you're going to see the guests on there. You'll be able to hear them. Our most active social media account other than YouTube is Instagram. So if you're on there, we'd love to see you. And next slide. I know these slides are going fast, which is why we're, which is why we would love for you to join us in our community so that you can get access to these slides, uh, the full slides. But yeah, we also encourage you to stay plugged into our newsletter. If maybe you just want to get an update on a monthly basis, what we're up to and what we're offering, you can go ahead and scan this QR code and be able to subscribe to our newsletter. And like I said, we send monthly newsletters out. And almost last but not least, I want to reiterate, we had the same QR code on the top right for most of our slides now. This is a 30-day free trial only for our attendees to join and to check out our community. And think of it as like, you know, the Filipino Facebook group or, you know, Filipino American like Reddit community. It's an opportunity for you to engage with other people in our community to just share their perspectives or their stories or even just what's going on in your lives. Like we have a variety of topics in there, anything from life and culture to news to entrepreneurship. So many topics there that you can check out. And next slide. 
In addition to that, because as I had mentioned early on in this presentation, we don't consider ourselves experts, more so curators of stories and what people share with us. And so if you actually want to dive in deeper, you like to do that independent study. These are some of the books that we have already featured and gone over in our book club, in which you are more than welcome to attend your first one for free if you're interested. The first three books, America is in the Heart, Little Manila is in the Heart, and In the Country, these really touch upon the Filipino diaspora. America is in the Heart really touches upon the fictional story of the Monong generation. Little Manila is in the Heart is uh, nonfiction. So if you're like, if you're all about the facts and details and a more academic read, highly recommend that book. It was very hard for all of us to read it, by the way. It took <laughs> us months to dissect that book, but it was worth it. And we do have replays of us discussing these books in our book club, by the way. And then, of course, In the Country is a fictional narratives, a collection of fictional narratives of the Filipino diaspora, not just in America, but in the Middle East and other places in the world. And last but not least, the book that I had hinted at earlier about influencing culture is uh, Speak Up and Knock by Dr. Abby. And what I really love about this book is that she actually interviewed, I think, nearly 500 Filipino American professionals. And she had found that, and I'm saying this like generally speaking, you'd have to read this, but generally speaking, she had found that the more in touch someone was with their Filipino culture, the harder it was for them to assert themselves in the workplace, which I found very fascinating. And she provides tools on how to communicate, to assert yourself and, you know, climb up that corporate ladder, so to speak. So all of that, we have discussed all of this in our book club. And if you want to be a part of it, feel free to, once again, um, either reach out to us at this point or you can scan the slides. All right. Nani, any notes? No, just let's talk about what's coming up next in this series of rooted and rising topics hosted by us, the Filipino American Woman Project. Yes. Yeah. Okay, great. And then we'll get to Mel's question here. <laughs> Thanks yes. for hanging out. We promise um, we'll get to it. <laughs> yeah. And so the last part is if you really enjoyed this presentation today and you want more, our upcoming workshops are going to be more career related. So starting a new career journey, basically, if you immigrated here and have to start from scratch, you know, we'll be discussing that. And then part three will be about navigating career challenges in which we'll probably be referencing a lot of what Dr. Abby has to say in her book, A Speak Up and Knock. Anything you wanted to add about that, Nani? No, I think just TBD. And we will let you know where to look out for the info for those live podcast broadcasts in a minute here. But let's go ahead and get to Mel's question. I haven't seen the chat because I'm in presenter view here. So I'll let you yeah. take that on. Yeah. So go ahead and go back to the slides about I'm trying to think which wave that was. I think it was like the Navy one. Uh, okay. So Mel is asking, can you go back to the fifth wave? Oh, I should have read your I should sorry, I should have your comment on the fifth wave and the vets that were denied equal rights. I think I heard that. Yes. Yes. So I'll just speak on um, my own observation. So I used to actually I attended San Diego. Wait, State can University. you read the question first? Because I still haven't seen her question. Yes, yes. Thank you for thank you. Yeah. <laughs> okay, question is, can you go back to the fifth wave and the vets that were denied equal rights? I think I heard that. Dot oh God. Yes. Yeah. So do you, okay, do go you ahead. have anything you wanted to say that? No, yeah, no, okay. sorry. I just wanted to clarify the, the question. That was the question. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so from what I know, I remember when I attended San Diego State back in the early, like when did I graduate? 2011. So around that time, one thing that was impressed upon me was that every year in my Filipino organization, we would do what they called the JFAB March. So that's an acronym for Justice for Filipino American Veterans. And what I had come to learn in those marches, what, what would happen is you have like all the, you know, Filipino organizations from different colleges and then, you know, student organizations from probably high schools and community colleges all come together and go to Filipino town in L.A. and do this march to bring awareness to the fact that the Filipino American veterans that served in World War II were not granted their benefits. They had to wait decades, I think 60 plus years before they actually, and, and my facts may be wrong on this. I just know that it was a long time. It was decades. It was, it was definitely decades, but it took them decades to finally receive their benefits. And when they did, they only received a lump sum. And so I do recall that I thought my grandpa was a World War II vet. So I was always wondering, like, I always kind of assumed that like, like, oh, he's just like the other veterans and, you know, he didn't get, you know, he didn't get his benefits, but turned out he was like voluntary, like meaning that he was just a nationalist trying to protect the motherland. So he himself didn't even get any benefits at all for that, which is, you know, it is what it is. But um, but yeah, 
that basically for decades, if you look into justice for Filipino American veterans, you will find that I think it was in the recent, like probably over a decade ago, that they did finally push a policy for the veterans to actually get a lump sum. And sadly, by then, a lot of them have already passed away. So that's my knowledge to it. Hopefully that's enough to scratch the surface for you, Mel, and to look into it further. But um, yeah, that's all I have to say, uh, Nani, if there's anything you wanted to add to that. Yeah, I'll just reiterate what I had talked about in this slide, which was the historical context of, of that topic. So in 1946, after World War II ended, Filipino immigrants were allowed to become naturalized citizens again, and the immigration quota was raised from 50 people per year to 100 under the Luce Seller Act. So if you want to look that up, that's L-U-C-E-Seller, C-E-L-L-A-R Act. However, the Rescission Act of 1946 denied Filipino veterans who fought for the U.S. during World War II the same rights as American veterans. So if you wanted to also look that Rescission Act of 1946 up, that's probably going to give you more context, more like solid context on what that was about. And that's spelled R-E-C-I-S-S-I-O-N, Rescission Act of 1946. Awesome. Well, Nani, we have two minutes to spare. So I just want to thank you, uh, Mark and Mel specifically. And I think there was like one other person that joined us for a little bit for joining us live. Again, we could have done this recording offline, but it is helpful to have even just a couple of people in the room. So thank you. Thank you so much for being here. And I will be sending an email recap of, you know, the call to actions. And if you want to get a hold of us, hopefully you'll scan that QR code and join us. Otherwise, you could also reply back to the email recap that I'll be sending later. But other than that, thank you so much for your time. Again, thank you to Quia Will and to Kaiser Permanente for this collaboration. And be on the lookout for our next workshop. So yeah, thanks, Mark. Appreciate you for your work. Appreciate you. Yeah, Mabul, hi. (laughs) Thank you, Mark. Salamat. Yes, Yes. for anyone here from Kaiser, be on the lookout for the link to join our next podcast broadcast in Viva Engage. And for anyone else not from Kaiser, stay tuned via our newsletter, our socials, or on thenewfilipina.com to get that info. Thank you all so much for being here today and to those who are listening to the replay. And we shall see you soon. All right. Have a great weekend, everyone. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Filipino American Woman Project podcast show. Ready to tell your story? DM us on Instagram at the Filipino American Woman to join us for our free five-day reflection series. Check out the show notes of this episode to subscribe to our free weekly newsletter for the latest show updates and episode releases. Lastly, if you're ready to dive into community, download our app and join us at thenewfilipina.com. That's all for now. Chat with you next time.